Alright, welcome back to Kilted in Iowa. This is Lord Nathan Kula coming to you wherever it is that you are listening to my voice. So today's podcast had a request, and actually I've had a couple of requests already. So thank you people who are giving me feedback on what you would like me to talk about. Um, today's requested episode comes from some friends across the pond, Kyle and Melissa. Uh, they are living in England right now and are having a lovely adventure all of their own. And they have requested a story or stories about haunted places I've been and haunted experiences in particular, the times I've been in Scotland. So take a deep breath and let's light a candle, turn off all the lights in the room, and listen to a story of one of the most haunted hotels in Scotland. Hey, well, we're going to start off by taking you to the Winnick Hotel. Now, you can look this up on the internet, as I did, and you'll find there that it is a lovely, remarkable hotel. And having stayed in it for three nights, I can tell you personally that it is a fabulous hotel, and it is adorable, and their food is amazing, and the setting in the city is absolutely stunning. Stunning stuff. So, now the story goes that way back when, a man and a woman were staying at the Winnick. And this must have been 17th century here, 18th century. Now, I don't have the actual date in front of me, so I might be way off. But the place has been around a few years. So, you know, if you want to know the exact dates, well, they're right there on the internet then. Now, I will tell you that we stayed here while we were on our West Highland Way hike. And it is here that I fell ill on this hike after feeling amazing the entire time. Now, before we ever got to the hotel, our lovely guide, uh, his name is Jamesy, a lovely, beautiful man, had a fantastic trip. Uh, And he knows that I have um, a sensitivity to these things, as it were, Um, that I have a tendency to pick up on either spirits or places that are haunted or perhaps, you know, just uh, an an energy that's left upon the land. Um, And we've had this discussion days before we got here and he's stayed there many times now. And so he knew he's about. He told me that upon entering the hotel to go to the very top floor on a very certain wing, and to walk down the hallway and tell me if I felt or saw anything, and that we would have dinner then later together, and I'm supposed to report to him 
any findings I might have. And I will tell you this, people. Upon entering this place and then going to our room first, for I was traveling with my wife as always, she was most excited because she had already looked up on her phone to see what Jamesy had been talking about. And she refused to tell me anything. And I asked her not to, actually. I knew she'd looked it up. And I, I, I was... I wanted to test myself. Now, in a previous podcast, I said I do like to test my bullshit. And that's not... That is not even close to what this was. This was more of a test of... It was a test of not only being able to sense something, but to be very specific about what it is I'm feeling for. And, you know, I, having had many experiences up to this point, I had the pretty good idea that I would confidently going to at least get 50% of it right. Now, there are two to three things that were involved in this haunting, and not everyone got all or both or even one of the same things happen. Um, so when we got there, got to a room, we got all the gear off, we took a hot shower because we'd been hiking. We'd been hiking all day. We put another good 14, 16 mile in, right? All along the, the eastern bank of Loch Lomond there. It was a beautiful hike and a bit of a rain. It was beautiful, absolutely stunning Scotland. Absolutely breathtaking everywhere. So we get in. We get hot and showered, right? We got all fired up and we we're getting ready to go downstairs. So that was when we chose to go to this certain hallway and to go towards this certain room. And as we walked to the end of the hallway and I looked down towards this room, I could already feel something. And the hairs on just the left side of my arm, just on my left my left arm, on my left side, you know, were standing on end. Not like they were just tingling, you know. You've had that sensation where it's just, oh, you know, so either it's a cold breeze or, oh, I felt something. Or, you know, you always joke about, you know, you walked over someone's grave and your hair stands up on your arm. No, it's not that at all. Like, I literally looked down and my hair on my arm is standing straight out. My right arm, nothing's it's fine. Not all normal, all laying down, all beautiful. This little laying down pattern, whatever. But I tell you this. I took a few steps down that hallway and I stopped. Now, I got close enough that I could see the door that was intended for me to be seen. And I saw a large shadow standing at the end of the hall, a few doors down from the actual room where purportedly everything happens or most things happen. So I was standing there and my stomach was turning and I felt ill and I could feel the tension and it was growing. And I felt cold, where I'd been hot, and my, I felt ice in my hands. And I took a deep breath to calm myself, and I 
I looked away because I didn't want to stare at the shadow and see it move. And as I looked away, I did. I did see it move. And it just disappeared. And there was a part of me, there was a part of me that absolutely wanted to chase it. There was a part of me that wanted to follow it down the back stair. And I nearly took a step to do it. And I stopped and I felt a completely different energy. And I closed my eyes. And I'm standing there in this hundreds of year old building. And I felt a woman standing near me. And feeling her, I didn't want to go anywhere. I just wanted to stay right where I was. And I could tell that that was her intent, is to not go any farther. And so I abruptly turned about, and my wife's standing at the end of the hall, saying, well, don't you know, Neil, don't you need to go closer? And I was walking at a brisk clip out of there. And I said, I think I've gone as far as I need to. And that's the end of that. And so I walked down and she kept up with me. She goes, so what did you see? What did you do? What did you see? What did you do? You know, and I was just like, hey, just, just, can we get down to the bottom of the stairs, please? So we get down to the entryway and lovely fireplaces. Now, it's a low ceiling. So if you were tall, if you were more than about six, five or so, you'd have to probably bend a bit to get past the headers. But there's a lovely roaring peat fireplace at the end. And it was a gathering place. And we had a bunch of the people we were hiking with were waiting there as they were preparing for us for our dinner. And they were drinking and whatnot. And I said, I need me a scotch because I just had the coldest chill deep inside my stomach. And there's only two ways to chase that out. A good hot shower, which I'd already had, or whiskey. So... We went and ordered ourselves some drinks and came back to our friends and I found myself standing close to the fire. Not only do I just enjoy the smell of the burning peat because there is nothing like it in all of, all of the rest of the world. Nothing says home in Scotland like a peat fire. So there we were laughing about the day's journey and, you know, telling about our sore feet and whatnot. And, and someone says, oh, Nathan... Did you hear that this place is haunted? And I said, oh, hey, Jamie told me. Yeah, no, he was all about it. He, but he wouldn't tell me what. And then Susan chimes in with, yeah, we just walked past up in there and he got halfway down the hall and he stopped there for a good, you know, couple of breaths and then he turned around and he quickly walked away. And I was like, oh, you're fucking right I did. You're fucking right. And if you would have saw what I saw and felt what I felt, you would have not gone any farther either. But I was, I was still drawn to go back up into that hallway. And I still wanted to walk down what I found out to be was a back staircase. And it was a straight exit out the back of the hotel. Uh, but, but there was no way that I was allowing myself that. There was no way, not after feeling that. There was two different spirits doing completely opposite things. One, absolutely warning me. And if you come here, bad things may happen to you. And then a second one, a completely different one, stopping me.
and making me wait a minute to come to my senses. So here we are, dinner's prepared and we sit down and everybody's joking and everybody's having a great time and what what a fantastic trip it's been and and we're all excited to, to do the next day's segment of the West Highland Way, which if you ever get the chance, do it. Do it and you can do it every year. You could do it twice a year and every day. Not only does the scenery change, but the weather changes. Scotland shows you 50 different types of Scotland every single mile you walk. But it's all beautiful. It's all stunning. And so we were tired and we had some of us were drinking and we were feeling pretty good about it. And we'd already been out for several days and we were feeling pretty tough on ourselves. And as we finished our wonderful meal to Winnick, and people starting to drift off and saying, oh, we're going to tuck in. My friend James, he saunters over. He sits across from me. And he says, so, Nathan, did you, did you go up to the room? Did you go in the hall? And I said, why? Right before we came down for dinner, we stopped on our way because we were on that floor, but not in that wing, but we're on that floor. And he said, so, what did you, what did you see? What did you feel? And I said, I felt, I felt pain and I felt cold and I felt warned. And I felt, I, I felt a man and I saw the shadow of a man. And he's wearing the hat and it looked a bit like a top hat. And he was just dark and he was tall, but he was dark. It was just a shadow. And he walked into the doorway, which I thought was an open door to a room, but it turns out it's a hallway. Like I was saying, it's a hallway, then a staircase down to the back. And I said, the man terrified me. It chilled me to my core. And he said, oh, really? And I said, aye. But then I felt something else. Completely different spirit, different energy. And this one felt feminine to me. And it felt as though it was stopping me from going further. And I said, that was it. That was the deal breaker, man. Like I turned around and I bowed down there, ran Susan over as I came down the stairs. And she was just like on me about, what'd you see? What'd you feel? What do you think? What do you do? What do you know? And you know, and here she is. She knows she knows what has happened. She knows why the place is what it is. And so he got this big smile on his face. And he looks at me and he goes, so what can you tell me? And I said, it's a man and he's done murder. And I think it was to her. And I said, it has something to do with that room. But I think more importantly, it has something to do with that hallway. And he goes, so you didn't look at the internet? And I said, Susan, can you verify for James that, that I didn't look? He, she's like, no, absolutely. No, I know he didn't look. I looked because I wanted to know because I don't feel like he feels. Sometimes she does, but not always. And it's usually, you know, she's gotten way more sensitive even since then about it. But still, she's like, no, no, no. No, I made sure he didn't look. And he goes, well... Susan, since you looked, why don't you tell him the story? And so she did, as we're sitting there at this long table. 
sitting with our backs to a fireplace in a room that was hundreds of years old where many stories have been told where I'm sure many plans have been planned and even ill things probably done in this room she shared with me the tale of the Winnick Hotel and the haunting therein and what I will say upon the details of that is you should go to the website the Winnick Hotel Scotland and read it for yourself because that man did a terrible, terrible thing an unforgivable thing and he's back and he's stuck there and so is the person he killed stuck there and so is the other person he killed. Hey, so go to the website. Read it yourself. But I tell you this, my story about this is not done. So, we spent two nights there. That night, after we got done having dinner and speaking with our friend and, and talking to all the other hikers, I went to bed and that cold feeling never left me. Going to bed, I did not rest. And I couldn't, I couldn't feel good. I couldn't drink ginger ale and feel better. I, I, I tried taking Tums and it, and it did no good, not at all. I felt terrible. And around two o'clock in the morning, after getting almost no sleep, I start hearing a sound coming in our room. And I'll tell you this, it took me a while to figure out that it was in our room and it wasn't just something that was happening in the hallway. And it was this clacking sound, just a really light clacking sound. Now Susan, sleeping just next to me, completely passed out, fully ambivalent to being disrupted of sleep. And I'm so thankful for that because I was flipping and flopping and tossing and turning because I felt terrible. I could feel that I wasn't feeling right. And then I would get up and I'd get out of bed and the sound would stop and I couldn't track it down. So I'd take a deep breath and a wee bit of water and a wee bit of ginger ale. I lay back down. 2.30 in the morning, I wake to it again. This very light but repetitive clacking sound. And I'm thinking at this point, this has either got to be water going through pipes, you know, like a heater, you know, because this place is old. Hey, but it's not because all their heat is electric heat. And I was thinking, well, you know, maybe it's just, you know, the metal getting hot and getting cool, getting hot and getting cool. Hey, that's, that's, that's what it is, right? Okay, fine, no problem. 2.45, I wake up again and here it is again. And this time I get out of bed. And again, Susan, completely oblivious to it at this time. I get out of bed, right? And I walk down the wee short hall to her door. And I think for certain 
it's coming from outside the room. But when I get to the door facing the room, the door to the bathroom is behind me. And that's where the sound was coming from. And so I stopped. And I closed my eyes and I took a deep breath. And I reached out. I reached out with my energy. And I'm trying to feel the surroundings about me. Now, being that humans are made of electricity, this is something that anyone can do. You are a walking magnetic field. You are full of energy circuits. Your brain synapse fires on electrical current. Your muscles tense and relax upon electrical current. Your heart beats on electrical current. That's why people get shocked when their heart stops. They try and jumpstart it again. It's not a coincidence that it's electricity that they use. That's what we are. So you think about that. You think about reaching out with your energy instead of your hands. And you're reaching out to find another energy. And it was there. And so I open the bathroom door and it opens into the bathroom, not into the hallway. This is important because there is a behind you when you stand in there with the door open with it to your back and I'm facing the toilet. And I, I'm seeing in this nightlight that they've got there that the toilet lid is up. And neither Susan nor I ever leave the toilet laid up. Neither of us, not when we're sick, not when one of us just has to wee, nothing. It's always down. That's always how we were taught. That's always how it goes. And it's up. And so I walk to the toilet, right? And just for fun, I pull the seat off the back of the edge just enough so it's balanced straight up and down and I let go and it falls back and it makes the sound. It makes that little click sound that I heard. And so I reach, reach up and I, I touch it again and I pull it up to even and I let go again and it falls back. And then I see if I can do that in the same rhythm that woke me. And sure enough, that's what it was. And at that point, my body goes cold all over and the whole room gets cold. At this point, I haven't slept. I've hiked a fuck ton of miles, right? I've eaten, but I, I don't feel good. And now I am right straight pissed. So I say... Out loud. All right. I fucking know you're here. I fucking feel you. Get out of my room and leave me alone. And if you don't, I'll make you wish you did. Because I'll come down to your hallway, sir. And I will absolutely run a fucking train through your energy cycle. You are not welcome here. 
and I will in force keep you out. And slowly, bit by bit, I felt a little warmer. And a little warmer. And I walked to the edge of the to the edge of the door, not opening out to the hall. And then the room felt normal again. And yet I still had this pit in my stomach. I had an absolute pit in my stomach and I felt like I was running a fever and cold at the same time. But now I've sorted out why I was waking up and what that bloody fucking noise was, right? Fucking toilet lid. So I get back into bed and now Susan wakes up a bit and she's like, oh, what seems to be your problem? What, are you feeling all right? And I said, no, I still feel like crap. And she goes, so what was going on? I said, well, he came down here just to fuck with me because I was in his place for a bit. He came down here just to let me know that he could come down here. And she says, the guy? I'm like, yeah, the fucking guy. She goes, well, what did you do? And I said, I told him to get the fuck out. And I warned him if he didn't stay out and stay in his part, that I'd come down to his part and make him wish that he never walked down to our hall and never came into our room and never chose to fucking wake me. And she said, well, that was stupid. <laughs> I said, oh, it might have been, but it worked. I mean, he left. And she goes, yeah, I don't. I don't really feel anything. I said, yeah, well, I, other than me feeling like crap, I feel nothing either. So I crawled back into bed for my next three hours of sleep. And I got up. And we had a good, you know, 14 miles to go that day. And so I got dressed and I got packed in. And I was like, I don't feel good. But we're here in Scotland to hike the entire West Highland Way. And I'll be damned if I don't. So here I am, sweating out my head and my hands are freezing cold. And we get started out in our path. And on the day's hike, we split into two. We had a good eight mile to go before we met our, our uh, support team that was with this group for lunch. And we started out in these lovely lowland hills, right? And these beautiful rolling hills and this forest. This forest that is straight out of fairy tales. Towering scorch pines. Birch. Trees. The smell you can't... I can't even describe it. And I'm struggling. I'm struggling mighty. I'm having a hard time keeping my head up. That cold in the pit in my stomach never left. My hands never grew warm. Actually, I got colder and colder the entire day. And so here we are. Five hours into our hike. We hit the halfway point for, for luncheon, right? And it was a memorial to John Muir. And I, I tell you, I, I gotta go back to this place. Because I only barely remember it, but we walked about this memorial to John Muir, who was a public broadcasting system hero for Scotland 
in the Scots. And he would explore areas and explain some of the history and the culture and really brought it to the fore, not only for for people from America and 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 other countries, but for the Scots themselves. And I tell you this, I was bloody miserable. I was head down and I was struggling to put one foot in front of the other. And we got to to the place where we were going to have lunch. And I literally sat down on a bench and table and I put my face down on the table. And Susan's the whole time is like, you are struggling. You're sweating and you're cold. She goes, are you sick? And I said, I feel terrible. And she goes, well, the support team is going to be here. I said, oh, I, yeah, they will. She goes, right, yeah, so when, when they show up, when Billy shows up, you tell him you need to ride back to the hotel and then you need to see a, a pharmacy and you need to get yourself right. And I said, I don't want to go back to that bloody hotel because I know why I'm feeling bad and I didn't want to say it to anyone. And I think then Susan knew that something was on me. And I had to shake it off. I had to. I had to. We were only going to be a couple more days in Scotland. And I had to shake this off. But I did what I was told. My wife was right. I went up to, a, to our little pack mule, Billy. And I told him, I said, please, sir, take me back to the hotel when you go. I am feeling a terrible, terrible illness upon me. And he said, well, great hell, man, get away from me. <laughs> and I was like, I'll sit at the back of the van. It's not, no worries. I won't touch nothing. I just, I just need to get back to the room. And I need to get to a pharmacy. I need to take something that just helps me knock this out, whatever it is. And so that was the last day I got to hike on the West Highland Way. Now, I did get things sorted out, and I'll tell you this. There are a few times in the last 10 years that I've let or been able to keep from me something bad from putting something on me. And it took me another day yet to work it out. But when I did, I felt like a million bucks again. And I, I, I would absolutely go back to the Winnick. I would definitely go back to the Winnick, but I know now what I would need to do. So that is my telling of my experience at the Winnick Hotel in Scotland. Now... I have lots more of these to go. I have a few more just in Scotland. But we've only been there the two times. And I've got some humdingers because that place is old. And things that have been done there are older still. But I will leave you with that story yet on this episode of Kilted in Iowa. I am Lord Nathan Kula. And I hope after hearing that telling that you all sleep well.